Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm excited to be here. Today's a fun one. We are gonna be talking about all things dating reality TV, meaning The Bachelor, Love is Blind, Married at First Sight. We're gonna break them down and talk about the success rate of the relationships or lack thereof and why we watch them. What is going on with this? It's such a draw. What's going on with such a minimal success rate and does the success even matter? At the end, I'm gonna tell you my own experience with some of this process and how I might have got recruited to come on one. And I'll show you that insight there. It was a fun, good laugh. Be sure to check us out where you get your podcasts and look for this on YouTube, AKA our love reality show. Wink, wink. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. We are back. Today is going to be a fun one. I am a pretty big fan of reality TV, which in itself, like Turmeric and Tequila is kind of a juxtaposition because a lot of reality TV, air quotes if you're watching this on YouTube, is, or parts of it are scripted or it's led or they intentionally shoot specific shots. The whole thing has some angle to it. On the flip side, you know, they pick characters and they edit things a certain way so it builds a storyline, but a lot of it, they are real human beings being their mostly authentic selves. <laughs> I think that can be argued upon what show you depend you're watching on. So I don't watch a lot of like the ones that are just series on like families or anything like that. Uh, but I do watch the dating ones, The Bachelor, Love is Blind, Married at First Sight. And what's funny to see is like these are all different networks, NBC, Lifetime, uh, Netflix, like it's all different networks. So let's just start with this. Why do you think most um, production studios do reality TV and lean into this because it is cheap. These are businesses. It's about the money. They're here to provide content, to sell ads, whatever content brings in the views, the views sell ads. So they're going to lean in and dating shows do it. So today I came across, I did some digging because I've watched all these shows and I, I, I do like them. I'm um, certainly not a traditional person when it comes to like relationships, you know, graduate college, get married right away, whatever it is that wasn't my path, but I do love the love shows and kind of seeing human behavior. I do a lot, obviously, with strategic partnerships. So I'm here for relationships just in a different capacity here for the romantic side. But like I said, just not this traditional route. And a lot of these, even though they seem not traditional, they're kind of guiding towards that traditional inline. And a lot of it's, you know, uh, heterosexual white people doing this is starting to get slightly more diverse, but not really. I think they've got starting to get pressure, which is good. They should, you know, about representation. We've talked about uh, you know, at length on Turmeric and Tequila and we'll continue to do so. But the whole thing is just like an interesting conversation. And I was at one point, someone reached out to me to try out for one of these shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it was a, we'll talk about it, but they're casting very wide net. Um, there's no need to get overly flattered on my end, not to d diminish it or whatever. I don't know if anyone would see that as a compliment or not. I, I didn't really, to be honest. I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, so we'll unpack that. So I can give you just like a little insight of like how it works to try out for it. And I, it didn't go very far because I, I'm sure my answer steered things in the other way. But we'll talk about that. So we're going to unpack the shows. We're going to see what this USA Today article where they break it down um, says about it. I'm going to tell you about my limited experience. And then we're going to break down the success rate of The Bachelor. Because the more I like watch that, the less I'm into it. And it's starting to fade. And that was also kind of an inspiration for this conversation is like, does this have legs to it for a long time? Like, 
I work with marketing and uh, branding and like these ambassadors are going on TV shows and uh, are influencers and now they're becoming influencers. Was it ever about love? I don't I just find it less and less appealing. So let's unpack it. Let's start with this. What they say, like I said, there's an article from UST, USA Today and it says no lasting love, no problem. Why we still can't stop watching reality dating shows. I'm going to take a drink of water. Reality dating shows are the bread and butter of reality TV. Why? Because they make the money. They have all the elements that grab our attention. Everyday people, competition, romance, and juicy drama. But with the exception of 90 Day Fiance, the the success rate of couples on um, Love is Blind, The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, and other shows is low. Fewer than 50% of couples have stayed together or gotten married um, when they were paired on the final show. Only seven couples from the four seasons of Netflix Love is Blind are still together among the 23 who were paired. Just five couples made their love last in 27 seasons of ABC's The Bachelor. And four are intact on its counterpart, The Bachelorette. Lifetimes Married at First Sight has led to 11 long-term relationships out of 59 matches. Let's be honest, reality TV fans don't care whether the shows are a successful way to find true love or not. So why do we keep watching it? Okay, I'm going to pause there. I think that I do care. I actually am getting annoyed. And again, this kind of inspired this conversation that they're not actually working out. And I do like Married at First Sight. It's on Lifetime. That's one of my favorites. And I just cut my cable. I switched over to YouTube TV. I'll give you a full review on that at some point. It's okay. Don't love it. But we definitely had to cut the cord to cable because I'm over that situation. But now Love is Blind, Lifetime <clears throat> is a subscription. I'm not going to do that. So you can watch it like for free the next day with commercials. And I'm like, am I incentivized to do this dance, wait for the commercial, whatever? And it's probably no. In fact, I think I, I watched the last one, but no like um, reunion or anything else. I just, I don't know that it's worth the trouble. So I'm wondering if these shows really do have legs because I the drama and like the people are interesting, but I'm sick of them not working out. And especially Love is Blind when they match them. Some of them don't seem like a good match at all. And I know that the professionals probably have a limited pool to to limit to pick from because a lot of things got to fit in the box and they have to be from the same city. They've got to want these things. I mean, I don't know how many people out of all humans on this earth want to get married at first sight. I'm guessing less than 1%. I'm not a math human, but that does not seem super appealing to me. And if you watch the show at all with this low of a success rate, price is wrong for me. Like there's no way you're going to do all this work and go through it when, I mean, when that low of percentages match and it's not that they don't, that they don't match. If you watch a show, it's like they get drugged through the mud. Like it's fighting and, and slam doors and like, they're just mad at each other. I mean, some of it's pretty brutal. I, I almost could think some of it's traumatic. So like, not only do you not end up with a successful marriage, there's like some potential trauma in there. I don't know. But then on the flip side, my lover, dreamer, believer heart is, well, man, what if it works? What if universe, God, Madonna collide and it's like, go on TV, get married. Let's just see. And boom, you're like that 0.03% that works and it's worth it. So I have no good answers. I just, for Love is Blind specifically, I'm kind of blown away each season when it's like one successor. And I'm like, oh, there's no one. There's no one better for this person. Or like, wow, they really put them together. I don't see these people together at all. But also that's not my professional job. And I'm also not in sales on Lifetime. So maybe I don't know. We don't know. 
Okay, going back to the article. Reality TV stars feel like our friends, which is part of why we care. Experts say viewers can't turn away from the reality dating shows because they feel like they are making connections or parasocial relationships with real people. Reality television stars tend to be more accessible than stars in scripted programs, says Lee uh, Lehigh University's Associate Professor of Sociology, Danielle Lindman. They're on a they're on a show. They're active across social media, and they're interactive with fans. The drama also continues off screen, generating headlines, which Lindman says is appealing to viewers. We see reality stars on the screen being themselves, not being a character. Lindman says. Um, an article goes on. I don't know that I agree with that. And I kind of have this unique perspective where I've done brand ambassadors and influencers and marketing for a really long time. And I've worked with people from reality TV. And I think even, you know, 10 plus years ago when some of these initial shows were starting out on um, like my so or not my so-called life, this, that just showed my age right there. Uh, my 600 pound life or uh, re- re- the real world, which I think that was early nineties. Like, so I think then people didn't really know there was no Instagram. There was no like monetization from your name, brand and likeness from, you know, you getting on this reality show. So I think back in the day, it really was a lot more pure and producers didn't really know how to package it. So shiny and twisted. Uh, but now I, I don't, yes, they're, they're accessible because they want to engage with you. They want to get on, um, Instagram and work with you because they're building a brand. They're not building a love relationship. And this is a total generalization, but of all, you know, the ones that I've worked with, it's not saying it's, it's wrong or it's bad people or anything like that. I'm just saying the agenda and the end game is completely different. The, the initial reality shows had no Instagram or anything else. You don't see any of those like original real world cast. I think there was a catch up on, um, was it Prime Video or Netflix? And it, it, it re-got together the first real world house. And I, I didn't remember any of them. I think maybe one of them was somewhat still notable, but everybody kind of just went on to like do a normal life. So it was like just a totally different vibe. So now, I, I, you know, this professor of sociology, not discrediting what they have to say, um, I just, if they, if it feels accessible and it feels real, that to me means that our young people are watching. And like, you know, if you're under 18 and you're looking at this and you're thinking these people's feelings and actions and everything are real and it's really driven by building an influencer empire, we have a problem with that. And that is why we have turmeric and tequila because we got to start telling the truth and, um, you know, advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves and let our kiddos see the other side of what's going on. And it's not even that it's bad. It's just not fully truthful or fully transparent, which most things on TV are not. So, you know, there's all of that. Um, but it's kind of amazing. If you go on there and you look at some of these stars that have been on reality shows for love, for dating, And if you happen to see some of them before they've gone on, which I've known people before, and then after, it's not just they like they increased like two or three thousand followers or a hundred followers. They increased by hundreds of thousands, some millions. I mean, the impact overnight can be exponential. And that with great power comes great responsibility. And am I sold that they have that responsibility for their voice? No. A lot of these humans are between, I don't even know, 21 and maybe 30 on some of the Netflix shows. I think they're a little bit quote unquote older and that means over 32. But The Bachelor and Bachelorette is like 20 to 27. And if you think about your 20, 21, 22 year old self and you saw these shining lights of potential of Instagram, whatever, maybe you are there for the right reasons. That's fine. Regardless, you're walking off this show with this massive following, whether you wanted it or not, which I do think most of them do. 
you know, leave your comments in the comment section. And uh, I don't know if they know what to do with it. And newfound fame and opinions. The public is aggressive. So you can think this fame and all this stuff looks really great, but people are going to have something to say about it because they feel close. So then they feel entitled to have an opinion on your life decisions. So if you are an aspiring bachelor, bachelorette, love is blind contestant, whatever it is, an influencer seeking your situation, Follow your heart. Not here to tell you to not do that. I would say, number one, define your core values. Get in, know, so you're not, you know, internally, emotionally distressed by the time you're in a situation that does or doesn't serve your values. So get clear on those. And then be very mindful um, for and conscious. People say, be careful what you wish for. I say, be conscious for what you wish for because it might come true and that's fine. But be understand all the things that come with that wish and the sacrifices that go with it, with fame, notoriety, opening up your life to um, public opinion. It's all there. And on the flip side, if you do, if you're the 1% or whatever it is, and if you, you find love, magic. But let's just keep this whole thing in perspective and take that 10,000 foot view so you can see what's really going on here. Back to the article. A Love is Blind cheating scandal, season three, couple SK, uh, Alabada, Alag Alagabada, uh, pardon my enunciation there, and Raven Ross led to many deep dives from fans on TikTok and season four's love triangle between Marshall Glaze, Jackie Bonds, and Josh uh, Dimas spurred a tense reunion bachelor season 22 camera followed the moment uh ari uh lyuendike jr broke off his engagement to becca kerfwin for his runner-up and now wife lauren Bird burnham and TLC's 90 Day, 90 Day Fiance has a spinoff happily ever after to make sure we keep up with the couples. And you know what? I tuned into all of them. That's the person writing this article. I'm sorry, I don't know the names. It's so funny because I've watched this and it never mentions their last name. So I, it's almost like I only know them by first names and reading last name messes. I can't remember even who they are. The whole thing with SK and Raven blew my mind. If you haven't watched it, spoiler alert about to happen. They um they get engaged in the first part and um or he says no or something. Yeah. They they go down the aisle. He says no when it's like when they're standing there in front of everyone at the wedding. She says yes. So that's weird. They come back and he decides he does want to be with her. He proposes in the next show and then he comes out in social media or in the reunion that he cheated on her. So I don't know what SK's problem was. Raven actually seemed pretty awesome. Fitness human, I think from New York. Um, I probably crossed paths with her, honestly, at some point. But that was like a really sad show. I thought they were a super cute couple. It seemed authentic. And, you know, there was like embracing of religious practices and lifestyles. Like it really seemed they were, you know, coast to coast. They were a super long distance relationship. It seemed like a thing, but I don't, maybe SK's intentions weren't pure. I didn't go, I wasn't one of those. It was on TikTok unpacking it all, but I was bummed out to hear that one. And my heart really bled for Raven because it was like a no once, a yes, a proposal, like your quote unquote dream moment. And then back on TV to say he cheated. I, I'm a masochist as far as fitness. I like to do hard things, but man, I don't know that my little heart could handle this up and down, back and forth, all in front of the camera. I mean, this is really intense. Take a moment and really think about your worst breakup or like worst situation, whatever it might be and then put it on TV. 
Like, really think about that for a second. That's so brutal. I don't know what anyone's reaction is, but usually I just want to run away and hide, collect myself, figure out, get a game plan together. The last thing I'd want to do is go on TikTok or Instagram and read everyone's freaking opinion about what I should do with my life. Like, what? That, what? no way. Um. So I don't know, but respect to them. I, I mean, I genuinely do have empathy. And honestly, if you have to go through that, and your desires are to be an influencer and monetize your name, image, likeness, follow your heart. Like, get it. I hope you get your money and I hope you get your following. I do hope you're responsible you're responsible with what you're saying, what you're putting out there and who you're partnering with because you do have a platform now. Um, but that that's a pretty, that's an aggressive way to to make it to fame. We'll say that, fame with a, with a quote. Um, okay, continuing on. Reality TV drama feeds the desire to see people fail. Ugh, just reading that headline, I that hurts my heart for society. Although they don't always yield long-time love, people are also drawn to reality TV dating because of sh- short, uh, schadenfreude. Um, I just read about this in Brene Brown's book, and I'm probably still not saying that correctly. Schadenfreude. I think schadenfreude. We'll get there. <laughs> Google it if you're listening to this. But it's really... Go read Brene Brown's... Uh, well, all of the books. Um, but the last one that came out, it's read. I'm totally drawing a blank on what it is. But we went through this. Anyways... Uh, finding joy in others' hardships. So like you find joy in people's pain. It's it's effed up. Don't do that. We like watching other human beings melt down, regardless of their income status. Robert Thompson, founding director of the Blear Center for Television, a popular culture at Syracuse University, told USA Today. Bachelor creator Mike Fleiss exits reality TV franchise after 21 years. Let the genie continue. I'm sorry, that was the headline of um, a picture. Often society enjoys watching people claim success, but once they're actually actually get there, one of the only narrative threads left is to watch them fall. And we do get a lot of schadenfreude pleasure out of that. Thompson said, dating shows also reinforce traditional marriage values. Their appeal has a lot to do with our culture's core values of love and marriage, largely viewed through a heterosexual lens. Even in a show like Love Island, in which the goal isn't really to get married, it's still about romance. It's still about love. It's not Sex Island, even if they're doing a lot of hooking up on that show. Lindman says, there's a lot of anxiety about the changing face of marriage as people opt not to marry or to do so at a later age. In some ways, these reality show dating shows pacify our anxieties about that. We may engrossed by dating shows we may be engrossed by dating shows because we're anxious about our own love lives there's a way for us to escape the reality of our own situations and comfort ourselves when we need confirmation that yes things could be worse (laughs) it's not exactly the heartwarming conclusion i hope for but it won't stop me from watching anyways did you catch the delayed reunion love is blind thoughts on jackie and josh um, so I, and the author's taking a poke at the end there, which I think is kind of funny. I don't remember Jackie and Joshua. I'll have to look at that because I definitely watched it. I thought that one was also kind of disappointing. Again, they didn't like each other, but let's unpack this. Like, why do we watch? Is it because we like to see people fail? I personally, I don't, like I said, I think I'm getting less and less inclined to turn them on because it's constantly just like failure. And I don't really want to see that. And um, I actually like like the happy ending, like love story, cheesy romantic, maybe because I'm like an eighties baby and a nineties kid. And that's like the rom-coms we grew up on. It was like the unbelievable true love story. So I don't, I don't like seeing this like desecration of humans and being a professional in strategic partnerships, which is relationships and all businesses, basically relationships, seeing so casual with that, even when it's business and this is personal, I think is a, is not something 
that we should be casual in a society about promoting. Um, I do think in real love situations, there will be breakdown and conflict and that's fine. But if we're taking joy in that, that's a problem. That's a larger mental health issue that we need to unpack. And if people are just casually monetizing that on the back end, that's a bummer. And I don't think that will serve in the long term. I think more people, and this is just my opinion, are like me where it's kind of getting old that they never work out. Like, I think the tea and the drama is kind of fun, but then it just gets old. But keep in mind, I don't watch like housewives because they're like throwing tables and beating each other up. And I don't necessarily love that display for our fellow females. Um, but whatever, a lot of them on the flip side, Bethany and Vanderpump have all made, you know, billions of dollars off these situations. So, okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not drawn to any of that. Maybe I'm the minority. I don't think so. So I genuinely don't think these are long-term plays just feeding on the schadenfreude or whatever it is about people loving <clears throat> other people's misery. I hope we don't continue that path, but I, I don't know. That's, if I was a gambling human, I just don't think that's a long-term play. It might work now, but I think a lot of people are maybe where it's just like, eh, they're fighting again. It didn't work out. I want to see the ones that do fall. I want to see the ones where it works and to see maybe these um, situations, these production companies put more into it. And maybe they do already. I don't know. But let's continue to this. Uh, Fox's Farmer Wants a Wife. I did watch this as well. The Bachelor meets Yellowstone and Heartland reality dating show, basically. Even in a show like Love Island. Oh, no. That was... Oh, did you guys... I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you like I'm having a conversation right now. Did you guys watch The Farmer's Wife? I did watch The Farmer's Wife. Awesome if you did. I thought it was a little more real. It was like three farmers and they were in different states. So I don't really know how they put it together logistically. I was impressed as like an event planning human, how they swung that together. But each one basically had five girls and they dated over, I don't even know how long, maybe a month or so. It was hard to tell the timeline. And it was only like, I want to say 12 or eight episodes, not very many. And then they pick one at the end. They don't get married, but they just like choose that person. But that person has to go live on like this isolated farm and pick up cow crap and whatever and they're beautiful but like talk about a different life you're in a different universe so i actually do want to farm one day not with like that whole not a running farm just one with cute furry animals <laughs> that don't necessarily have to like produce or anything like that anyways uh i thought that was interesting it seemed a little more authentic than some of these other ones but i don't know oh but i did want to go back i want to talk about like are we watching this to escape our own love life reality and that might be true for me i don't i'm a busy human between training and dogs and job and company and blah 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 and social media for my own you know podcast it's a lot like the last thing i want to do some days is like get ready at six o'clock and then like get ready for a date and um I, I mean, once it's worth it, I definitely do. I've made sacrifices and we move things around and heart and mind is open, but it, I'm just saying it's not the easiest thing. So maybe I am living vicariously through these situations. I could wholeheartedly admit that. I also think it's a lot of, while some of it's scripted and... I'm just going to say trashy and just <laughs> thrown out there. I do think there's really great things you can learn from um, behaviorally, especially on Love is Blind because they sit down with the professionals and I think they're Dr. Pepper is one of my favorites. The advice she gives about like coaching and listening is amazing for relationships, meaning in um, romance or in professional or even with your family, like just the way they, they give tips about communicating or seeing someone else's perspective. Like if you identify with one of the people, I almost said characters, if you identify with one of the characters and like how they're saying things, like, you know, if I'm a female and I'm identifying with what the woman's saying and like, I'm like, why didn't he show up like this? Da, 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 it's not too much to ask. And then I'm hearing the man's you and I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of it like that. Like, that's really cool to see this play out because that could potentially help me in my relationships and whatever it is. So I do think there's actually positive to some of these, especially love is blind where um, they're, they're, they're getting the coaching. You're kind of going through it with them. I think there's value to that. So get a pen and paper on that kind of stuff because 
when you get in a relationship, this stuff will happen. Thankfully, it's not on TV, or at least I would say that. And um, you'll have those skills. I do think that's one upside from this reality TV and relationships being played out on is you can learn a lot. Hopefully, you're not just getting jaded because, again, there's the failure rate is astronomical. Um, see the glass half full and yay. Let's cheer for the ones that did work out. But I would say reap the gold and then honestly get the F out. That's kind of what my situation is, the way I take it right now. Um, okay, let's jump back into this. I think, okay. Uh, I think that was it for this article. It's kind of short. I just think it's interesting. But let's talk about the actual success rate of The Bachelor. And then I'll give you the snapshot of my own experience, which I think is actually pretty funny. Um, so I've worked with like, you, you know, KO Alliance. We've done a lot with influencers, brand ambassadors, people. We help align key voices <clears throat> with mission-driven brands. And it's awesome because I really believe that when you find authentic people that are really excited about, you know, BMW or, you know, uh, Coca-Cola or whatever it is. I mean, I don't work with sugar companies, but, uh, you know, consumer packaged good that's super healthy and clean, turmeric popsicles. And you get people to bleed it and you put it together. And like that word of mouth can be exemplified and, um, magnified through this person's voice authentically and it's all real and it's happening in real time social media following blah 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 of course but they're actually bleeding it i think it's amazing i think that's how companies get ahead especially these smaller ones that don't have huge budgets like when you align the right people and you build these right teams that can then in turn build the right community it's amazing i'm so here for influencer marketing done in the right way with authentic relationships so i've worked with people from reality tv i've Worked with people from The Bachelor and Bachelor specifically, not a ton, so I have limited experience, but I've seen enough to see them before the show go, and they didn't, uh, some of them went pretty far, some of them didn't, and um, we're talking about like less than five people, but in Colorado, there's there's a, a f- more than a few that live out here, so they're at bars, and you know, they're in the mix of things, and again, no shade, I actually have empathy towards all of it, because I think the reality TV process is is pretty brutal, whether you're prepared to have agenda or not, I don't know that's anything you're actually prepared for, and this is me sitting on the outside. So I've clearly not walked through it. So I only can relate so much, but I do have empathy. So putting that caveat out there. That being said, seeing them go from like zero to a hundred with nothing going on the show, coming off and having this following, um, it's pretty crazy. You you go, you get followings and then you get sponsors, companies and brands once you do shout outs, you get appearances to show up at clubs. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy the following that The Bachelor and Bachelorette has. And I do think it's probably between, I don't even know, 12 and 35. And then there's maybe some that are 35 to 50. But I think the younger the ones that are really showing up and going to the clubs and doing all this. And, you know, some of these guys are like Justin Bieber for that community. And it's crazy to see because there's not a lot of rules of it. Like if you're Justin Bieber, there's tabloids, there's some point of accountability, which clearly for a while he didn't care about that. But you you kind of get handcuffed on some things, sort of not really, but this is like, you can just do whatever. Cause like not enough people know who you are. It's not like Madonna or Missy Elliott or whatever in my pop culture world. You're like tiers below that as far as fame. So there's not enough to like, in my opinion, really hold you accountable. So I see some of these guys go from zero to 90 money and, you know, guys are girls and just you're all of a sudden you see this flip of the ego. And I think it would be for that way for anyone because you just don't know what to do with all this newfound quote unquote success and quote unquote fame. And I don't know. So it's a really interesting process, but it's, 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 it's perplexing because you see like famous people that have been like salt and pepper. I think they've got, I could look on here, but like 400,000 followers, you know, I think they're in the hall of fame. If not, there should be 
their hip hop royalty, whatever, 400,000 followers. You have someone that's on The Bachelor, Bachelorette for three shows and they're at a million followers or 700,000 followers. I mean, it's like there's notable humans in the game that have been around doing quote unquote notable things and notable is subjective. But then you have someone go on TV for a dating show it, intentionally and authentically or not, doesn't matter. And now they've got this massive following that genuinely follows and engages and there's impact. It's all monetizable. It's kind of scary. And I, I, I kind of got out of, like we shifted the business to get back into core values and working um, directly instead of consulting the companies, we were coaching the humans. So now we're intentionally coaching the humans on core values and going around that way with influencers and really getting to the authenticity because purpose and my core values matter to me. But it's a really interesting game. And let me be clear, this isn't to throw shade or call it out how bad it is or anything like that. I think we just need to shed some light on it, on what's going on and like really have some comparative analysis. Like, okay, we've got these people that have done X, Y, Z till they're 24 and now they've got 700 to a million whatever followers and meanwhile we've got these adults with really notable such academics and artists and whatever and they've they've got a fraction of the following so it's very interesting and i think it's important that we see the power of these reality shows and in turn if they're getting that following you got to understand these production companies that are doing these shows relatively cheap compared to like a formal production they're monetizing all of these humans so even if you're a rat in the game like and i don't say that negatively like you're a, a, the subject in the game I write, I meant like from like if you're in an experiment, but if you're a subject in the game, you got to understand like you are the commodity as the person on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. They are monetizing your life and your story. And that's fine. If you're game, that's cool. You just need to be really clear and understand like that's what this is. Like they're going on there and they're going to use you, make money off of it and sell it. And whatever happens to you happens to you. I, I know one person, I think it was from, uh, was it Love is Blind or Married at First Sight? I think it was, was suing because uh, she had PTSD and a traumatic experience. So I, I'd be curious to see in five to 10 years how this all shakes out in some of these shows because I really do think it can be traumatic. And then, you know, the, the audience doesn't go away and they have opinions. So I have some grace for that. But let's break down the bouncer and bachelor at the success rates. It blows my mind how unsuccessful these are. Let's go. How many bachelor couples stay together? Here's a look at the show's success rate. Zach Shawcross is in in this season's bachelor and in uh okay, Zach is this season's bachelor and he's facing tough odds. Many couples from the franchise do not remain together. Here's a breakdown of the show's success rate. The 27th season of The Bachelor drew a to a close on Monday night, led uh by Zach emerged uh with one of the final lucky ladies. Bachelor Nation watched anxiously and sometimes angrily as Shao Cross, who's Zach, uh, fretted over who to build a life and presumably a social media empire, wink, with. Ultimately, he ended up dumping runner-up and fan fave uh, Gabby before getting down on a knee for Katie, a nurse and fellow Austin, Texas dweller. But will it last? The odds are not in his favor. Bachelors and bachelorettes alike throughout the show's history have rarely stayed with their winning contestant. Here's a comprehensive list of all the couples from both the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise that are still together. Um... As of 2022, only five couples from the Bachelor franchise are still with their final picks. Five couples after all that. Uh, however, count, however, counting only those who are with the person they got down on a knee for, uh, for during the final episode of their season, that number shrinks to one. With 26 bouncers in total, that makes the success rate less than 4%. Oh, I think 4% is high for this. I literally thought it was going to be like 0.03%. 
But after all those Bachelor episode seasons, one couple is together that actually proposed. One out of 27, is that four? I don't know. Someone do the math and message me. <clears throat> I think that's crazy. Number one, Catherine and Sean Lowe. No wonder they have them back for every single episode. They're the only couple that's still together. So they have to have them come comment with couples uh, that are new and getting in it. This is the sole couple to emerge from the franchise engaged with no complications and remain married to this day. Sean Lowe was the star of season 17, The Bachelor, and chose Catherine, a graphic designer from Seattle, Washington. The two married in 2014 and have three children. Ari and Lauren. Ari Jr. started in season 22. The Bachelor proposed to contestant Becca in the finale. However, film crews followed them as he or followed him as he changed his mind, declaring or deciding runner-up Lauren was a better fit and offering her a ring after the final Rose episode. Woof. The two married in 2009 and now have three children. That's super brutal. Um Jason and Molly, I do remember this one. In a similar plot twist, Jason, the Bachelor season's 13 star, proposed to Melissa after the finale. He then realized he had erred, he had erred and wanted to propose to runner-up Molly. Instead, Jason broke up with uh, Rycroft and um, who's Melissa and ended up with Mulaney, which is the other one. I don't know why they're doing last names here. We don't know that. We only get the first names on their show. Let's go with that. The two married in 2010 and have one daughter together as well as another son from J Jason's previous marriage. I remember that one. And I think this is one of the beginning big plot twists in, you know, this lovely reality love show. And um, I don't know. I don't, I guess, again, I've never been in the situation where you have to propose between two people. You're in love with two people, whatever. But how do you not know? How do you pick the wrong one? Like, how do you not know and then go back? So, like, you break one's heart, you go make one's heart, then you break that one's heart, and you go retry and make the other one. Like, oh, God, this drama. Like, I'm getting a headache from that. I don't know. My unsolicited advice for someone on The Bachelor Bachelor moving forward, be clear on your decisions. Test your goddamn values and know and have them do it so we're clear. Number four, Matt James and Rachel Kirk Cornell. Matt's finale was marked by a number of controversies, although he did choose Rachel as a recipient of his final rose. He opted not to propose, saying instead he wanted to continue to date her outside without the pressure of engagement. By the time after the rose, uh, after the rose finale, the show reunion style episode came that Kirk Cornell and James were no longer together. However, um, they were no longer together. Over the course of the season's airing, Kirk Cornell became the center of racism controversy after liking a Confederate flag related to TikToks for uh, TikTok for a resurfaced photo of her attending a 2000 antebellum-themed party, promoting their breakup after James decided there was a lot of work she needed to do on her own. Host Chris Han Harrison executed Kirk Cornell's action or excused Kirk Cornell's actions during an interview with Bachelor alum Rachel Lindsay, and backlash over that later promoted him to step down from his longtime hosting gig. The next year, the two reconciled and remained a couple. Oh, there, they're not engaged. Matt James was the first and only black star of the Bachelor franchise. I didn't know they got back together, but noted. Bachelor couple still together. There are four Bachelorette couples still together. No agenda. Um, no addended. No agenda at this time. I don't know what that means. These leads got a proposal from their final choice and remain married. The overall success rate for The Bachelorette is therefore slightly higher than its male counterpart, clocking in at 22%. Um, 4% to 22% is not slightly. That's massive. So shout out to my girls, I guess, for sticking to it. 
Trista and Ryan. Trista Wren was the first bachelorette way back in 2003. She chose firefighter Ryan, and he's from Vail. Let's go, Colorado. Uh, her final rose, and those two have been married for almost 20 years. They share two children and are in the Bachelor Franchise Hall of Fame for the longest union. Desiree and Chris. Siegfried, Desiree. Hatstock was a contestant on Sean Lowe's season before she was eliminated after the hometown date. She was crowned bachelor on the following season, accepted a proposal from Chris. The two have been married since 2015 and shared two sons. Um, I don't remember that one, but I'm sure I watched it. Jojo and Jordan Rogers. Janelle Jojo Fletcher recently became Rogers, uh, became a Rogers when she married her finalist in May of this year. Jojo was the star of the bachelorette season 20 and chose Rogers. Brother famed to fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers, despite a flurry of rumors surrounding his past relationships, the bet proved worthwhile as the two have remained together since Roger proposed in 2016. Rachel and Brian, I do remember this one. Rachel Lindsay starred as the first ever Black Bachelorette. She has since become a fixture in the entertainment news industry, serving as a correspondent for Entertainment Magazine, the Entertainment Magazine show Extra, and hosting the popular Higher Learning podcast. Lindsay chose uh, Abba Solo as the recipient of her final rose, accepted his proposal, eventually married in 2019. Uh, I'm a fan of Rachel. She's super smart, super driven, does a lot of intentional good out there. Um, I don't remember a lot about Brian, but I do remember that episode. And these all kind of blend together to me at this point. So that's a quick rundown. Um, you know, 4% success for The Bachelor, five, 22% success for The Bachelorette. That's pretty low. I just, I mean, it's like a, would you do it? So that brings me to my little story, which I think is kind of interesting. I had, um, I think a recruiting company or like a talent agency slide into the DMs and say, we would be interested in having you try out for Love is Blind. And I, I, first I thought it was a joke and then I got a second message. I just like denied it or whatever. I didn't open it. Um, I didn't accept the request. And then the second one came through and I was like, what? So I looked at it and then looked at the talent agency. I was like, oh, okay, this is actually legit. And I knew they had, um, I had heard they've been in touch with like bars around now. So I think they cast a really wide net, but I, they said, would you be interested? And I, my first question was like, um, how did you find me? And what about my Instagram gave you the idea that I was looking to be married at first sight? And did I say love is blind earlier? It's not that it was married at first sight. Um, so all of these are getting, con you know, confusing. But anyways, I was definitely a love at first sight. And I was like, what about my Instagram gave you that idea? And I wish I still had the messages, but they're like, you know, we, I can't even remember what they said. It was something very general. Cause again, I think they probably sent out, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of probably these like messages. And it was a human that wasn't like these, it wasn't like a cut and paste message. It was individual to me. And it was a, she, she said, you, um, it looked like you'd be a fit. It looked like you were, um, open-hearted and, and fun or something like that, something pretty general. So I was super curious. I'm like, okay. Uh, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, like, would I actually do this? Like I watch these shows and I know the intricacies. I know the business side, not like super in depth, but enough. And I'm thinking, no way, but I am deeply curious about this process, what it is. And of course I was like, sure, you know, let's, let's go through the process. I want to, I want to hear more. And would you or your talent agency be interested in coming on turmeric and tequila? And I told him about the podcast and she was kind of like, yeah, let me, I'm going to put you under the next level. And we go to the, talk to the next person. And, um, 
it was a guy. He interviewed me. It was like a half an hour to an hour interview over the phone. And um, they got into it really fast of like in really intense stuff, like background history, um, health, you know, do you, yeah, uh, background checks. Like they, like they went into it and it was like point blank, like, do you want to get married at first sight? Do you want to be married right now? Do you, uh, are you okay with someone with a different religious view with long hair, with, um, you know, kids? Like, I mean, <laughs> the specifics were, I, I mean, I was of course taking it serious, but I was like smiling all the time because I'm like, this is crazy. And I think it's good because you got to really dig into the nitty gritty and get into it. And, and this was just like round two of probably of like 15 rounds. I have no idea. And when they're asking me, honestly, and I think for after that, you would just submit like a picture and a video saying like, are you ready to be married at first sight right now or something like that? I can't really recall a ton of it. And I did the video and I was like, you know, is anyone ever ready? Did, it was a clear like, no way. I wasn't just doing it just to do it. I actually appreciated the process to like for me to get clear on like, shit, have I really thought about some of this stuff? Like, I think in my mind, it's like, I'll meet the right person. I'll kind of know. And then like, whatever it is I've got to do to make it work, I will not compromising my values and you know who I am. But of course, I'm hoping that we get through that prior to saying I do and signing this freaking really important contract, which I don't know that people really even get into that before. I think people forget marriage is a contract. You sign a piece of paper and then there's many business decisions down after that that are business. So yes, personal, yes, heart, keep it all first, but always know that it's a contract, my friends, like get real on it. Um, so I don't know. I thought it was good practice at very minimum. So if you're out there and you happen to someone slides in the DMs, they reach out to you and like, would you be curious in this process? I say, just do it. Even if it's not your jam or it's totally not mine. It was really interesting. I like, it was good for me to like, you know, in the 10 seconds of experience that I had, I got to learn a little bit myself, like really think through some deep things that I probably wouldn't have thought about. Uh, even at 42 and it's, it was kind of cool. And, and on the flip side, it really, I think made my heart that much more open to it because I was getting clear on like, yes, I do want this life partner that does this or that has these values or this. And like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily care about their hairstyle or whatever else, but, um, our athlete is training is fitness important. It's like kind of superficial stuff and it's yeah. Lifestyle and these decisions, what you're doing every day is a big deal. So that was all a good practice. I think I submitted me, I didn't get anything or hear anything further. They, um, so they, let me know about coming on the podcast didn't hear anything back and I don't even know that I followed up because it would have been like the agency versus someone from the show or anything like that and honestly the guests I don't I mean I don't know if they'd want to come to Mercantile come through if you're listening to this and I've had friends that have had other some of the um not contestants or characters but the humans on these shows on their podcast so they are accessible so I really wanted that I feel like I could reach out and that wasn't it I was just I would love to have someone that does the process come on and talk about the process but I, I don't almost think they don't want to do that because I don't think they want a lot of people to know uh not because it's a secret i think it's just because I, I don't think i don't think they want people to train for it and show up to get on the show to be an influencer they want it to like be somewhat secret so you just show up authentically and just say what you say versus practice for it if that makes sense it's like studying for a personality test for a job a lot of companies have you do personality tests to see if you'd be a fit and there's things on youtube where it's like study to pass this personality test and i'm like damn uh, if you're a psycho and you're studying out a past a personality test, like there's a, that's a situation, but I'll let the companies figure that out. Maybe that's needed for the corporate world at this point. I don't know. And we intentionally don't know. So anyways, that was a, it was a fun experience. It was kind of cool to see a little bit of the inner workings of these shows that I watch and see how they operate and that they do get into the intricate pieces that I'm still wondering how like some of these humans that don't last, they match. I don't know. The takeaway is I'm probably going to start to phase out a little bit of it just because I'm sick of seeing like these 
the drama and like the thrown chair and I don't know. Like I'm here for some authentic conflict, but them never working out. Maybe it's just me. I'm 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 losing interest in it. So if you're a production company, there's my feedback for you. Long term, um, I don't. I'll be curious to see how these shift. Like you talk about like, you know, situations with race and them diversifying the shows. Like you can see over the 20 plus years of Bachelor, like how some of society's um, uh, questions and conversations and intentions are coming through on these shows. So that's, I think that's good. Hopefully our society is taking away some exposure to things. If you're not around any diversity or whatever it might be, maybe this is an opportunity to upside that this is exposing some things, interracial dating or whatever. Um, I think that's positive and we have representation and, and there's some eyes on that and it's into the mainstream uh, again I think there another positive is, is learning watching people go through this and you can take notes for your own relationship and listen to the professionals that are on the for the shows that have them and then on the flip side check in I would say after you watch it how do you feel like sometimes when they're really cute and fuzzy and they're and they're, they work out and it's so happy like that's awesome I love it and then when it's like this abomination of fighting and hating each other I'm like I'm gonna go take a shower. I feel gross. Like, I don't, that's why I think we're gonna limit. I would pay attention to how you personally feel and probably limit it in general, depending, Um, but reap the gold and then know that these humans really have power. So if you are influenced by them, that's fine, but just check into the motives and lean in. Like, is this authentic? Is it not? Some of them are and they're amazing and they really have done a great job in their business and it's all intentional. It's awesome. Some not so much. So just do your checks and balances, just like I would say with any other politician or corporate leader or podcaster, whatever, uh, lean in and, and do some of the digging. And if it's just entertainment and fun to you, let it be that. I would limit the energy to it, but you know, you got to have some of that tequila with your turmeric. So go ahead and spice it in. Enjoy your shows. Remember, it's a contracted business, so get that right. There's nothing wrong with a prenup. That's my unsolicited non-attorney advice. Enjoy your reality shows. And if any other shows want to hit me up, I can't say I will commit, but I'm super curious on the process. And if there's any talent show that's involved in this and wants to share their process and come on the podcast, we want to know because I'm super curious on how you pick some of these humans and why. Uh, that's all I got for you today. Reality TV. Uh, if, if you're on YouTube, do we consider you this reality TV? I don't know. I don't think so. But check out this wherever you get your podcast and look for us on YouTube, of course. Have a good day. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. <laughs>